Okay, so some of you have probably already seen this linger around hockey Twitter, and I felt as though it is so controversial that we have to talk about on today's show. Is Luke Hughes good or is he not good? Yes, we're going to have this discussion. And who's we? Well, Jersey Joe is back for part two of our crossover. As the main talking point, we're going to discuss Luke Hughes, Shimon Nemetz, and more. Lots to talk about in today's episode of Locked On Devils. Buckle up, everybody. You're Locked On Devils. Your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. Alrighty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Chalky, play-by-play announcer, and also Dell's driver for Bucks and Pitchforks and part-time credentialed media member, Trey Matthews. Once again, joined alongside by my buddy, Jersey Joe, and we are going to pick up from our conversation from last time, in which we were, in this time we're going to talk about uh, prospects. We're going to talk more about trade proposals, and, the over- and we're going to go into more detail as to what the overall direction is like for the New Jersey Devils. And who should they target? Who should they include in trade packages? So Jersey Joe, picking up where we left off, we talked about how basically like we believe that the New Jersey Devils should be buyers because I think it's reached a point uh, of the year where the Devils, they're treading water right now. Like they're still in, they still have breathing room, but not by that much because it's, it's so amazing that they went on that 13 game win streak because I never, I just thought it was just them building some extra uh, cushion, but now they're uh, clinging on to it for dear life because of all those points that they're losing because they seem uh, to be struggling at home. That's the thing. Well, well, I mean, like I said on the previous episode is that there comes a time where a team starts off good and then they have to start to feel some of the adversity during an 82 game season. Uh, the Devils, you know, when they went down without Bastion, you know, they had to learn one way or another to move on and improvise without him. And it's not been easy, but they've learned how to handle it for the most part. Not losing like every single game, but they won, a, you know, three games and they've got a couple overtime points. But really, it comes down to the point that you have your farm system. And before the season, I said the teams that win in the playoffs have a deep prospect pool and they have a good amount of draft picks to use as capital. Why did I say that? Because teams that have the best assets and best management tend to win the most. Yeah, and I I think there's a lot of prospects that the Devils could choose from from like uh, especially when offering to other teams because it's like basically them being a kid in a candy store essentially if you're like looking for some prospects to uh, help build your future. So uh, I don't think I've asked you this yet. When it comes to trades, who's on the table and who's off the table? Like, is there a couple prospects where you're just like, no way, not gonna happen? Or it, it, is it pretty much everyone is up for grabs if it's the right price? For me, my untouchables. Muhammad Ullin, Luke Hughes, Simon Nemec. Uh, I don't want to give up on uh, Gritsuk anytime soon. I am not letting anyone touch Dawes, nor 
uh, Akira Schmid, no one's touching if I'm the GM. Not at all. You're not you're not gonna even give me eighty-two million dollars for it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, for Akira Schmidt, he might become the backup for a New Jersey Devils at this rate. So it's just like he's no duh. Luke Hughes, I I, I think uh you you want to keep even if Luke Hughes wasn't performing well, which by the way, we're gonna talk uh, about Luke Hughes a little later in the episode because mm-hmm. uh someone stupidly tweeted out saying that Luke Hughes is not that good. And <laughs> I know, I know. Look, look, look. This is not a slander at that person. Just putting this dis- disclaimer out before I get canceled. This is this is I'm. It's not a good take. That I'm just saying, not a good sports take. So just gonna keep it strictly there. Don't want to get called out. Now, we'll we'll talk about that a little later. But um, yeah. So it's just like a uh, Luke Hughes is definitely uh, a lock to stay because even if he wasn't performing well, or even if he was like mediocre. I don't think Jack Hughes would be too pleased that the Devils traded away his brother, even though, because, like, you know, that's your franchise player and you want to keep your franchise player happy. Now, I know Jack Hughes is locked up long term, but at the same time, it's just like, I think Jack Hughes has been telling the organization that he wants to play with his brother. So, um, so I think Luke Hughes is definitely a lot to stay. Shimon the Mets, uh, crazy athletic and seemed like he was doing pretty well during uh, training camp and, Seems like he has good chemistry with the Devils organization already. So my thing is, like, I know he, I think he developed it during the course of the playoffs last year, but I want to see him get more of a shot or, you know, he doesn't have to like put up like Dougie Hamilton type numbers, but it would help if he like could get a few more goals onto the total, just so like he kind of fits a little bit as to what the modern NHL is, which is big on two-way play. So Shimon the Mets is definitely, I think, a lot to stay. Shakir Mukhamadoulin, I... I haven't lost faith in him, but if if it's for the right price, you might have to move on from him. I know earlier in the episode or in the previous episode, we talked about basically Big Z, so Chara uh, being dealt away. But at the same time, it's just like Shakira Kamadulin isn't Chara. That's that's where I think he can definitely have a career trajectory. Like I think that's who he models his game after. But at the same time, he hasn't reached it yet. So. Shakir Mukamadoulin, I think he's not really a lock to stay, but I would have to agree with you for the most part about the prospects of who are a lock to stay and who could be traded away. And I think when it comes to Alexander Holtz, I love him and all during the course of this offseason, I defended him. I said, look, Alexander Holtz is off the table. He has so much potential. The problem is, is like I'm teeter-tottering a little bit when it comes to Alexander Holtz, because like I said, he does well in Utica, but at the NHL, he just can't perform. So it's like the potential is there. How do we like just break it in the NHL like how do we get it the same as it was in Utica so that's my thing it's just like I worry that Alexander Holtz might actually become like something big and the Devils just basically got rid of him well the big the big problem for me is is there a skating coach that can work with him before you can even part ways with him now if the Devils do everything they can at the NHL level to work with him and trying to get him to move up to speed, you know, that's a good attempt. But if you do all the things you can do and all your power, then it's best to move on because some other team might have that skating coach that has that ability to relate to a player like that. You know, it was Mark Stone who, who was with the Ottawa Senators when he was a young skater in the draft. He could do just about everything. He just had bad skating strides. 
and somehow they were able to iron him out and he became a really solid scorer. It's just who was that guy that got him clicking? I want to know who, who can do it because the devil should visit that guy to be their skate, their skills coach. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like I said, Alexander Hulse has a lot of potential and I, I don't think I'm willing to give up on him so early. Like now come next year, if he's not performing well, then, or, or maybe like come like mid season, we've done everything that, like you said, we could potentially do. And maybe it is time to see like what the asking price would be for his services. But the thing is he's a sniper out there. He lights up in Utica. He has a lot of upside and a lot of potential. I just don't feel comfortable giving up on him so early. That's the thing. That's where I ponder. Like me, I'm taking that approach very cautiously. But if there's a big, big deal, I'm more than willing to take it, especially if another team gives us an early round pick in this year's draft. Yeah, I would I would say yes, even though I'm not willing to just say I want to harvest draft picks for that reason. But you have to take the price for what it's worth, because if they're not going to give you another prospect, another team's prospect for it, you got to take that other asset in return. Yeah, my thing, my thing is like when when you talk about draft picks, I want the Devils to trade away their first round draft pick, quite honestly. Well, because yeah. the thing is, it's not going to be good. Like, and the thing, the problem is like we have too many good prospects that aren't going to be given a chance to showcase what they can do. So, like, if based on what I'm seeing, isn't Nolan Foot having a good uh, year in Utica right now? He is. Well, the one thing that he does better is that he performs better at the NHL level. Right. Exactly. But is he, he going? But the problem is, he should is be he's up going here. to be given a chance. He he needs to be given a chance in New Jersey, but Holtz is not there. Foot is. I would rather have Foot a his size, his shot, and his ability to actually skate better than Alexander Holtz. It's not a knock on Holtz, but it's a critique. I would rather have Nolan Foot up in this situation and let Holtz iron out his skating in Utica because if you're not going to use the guy right away, let him you know, get some reps in and Tyce Thompson is very good. You just got to allow these other guys to play a little bit more. You can't just insert them and not insert them every other game. Otherwise, they're not going to pick up uh, in the system. Yeah, I mean, look, look. Uh, I, last year for Nolan Foote, he didn't perform too well in Utica. But when he got to the NHL level, solid production. But, like, way better pace at the NHL level than he was at Utica, which is – Quite honestly, uh, surprising a little bit. But, you know, Nolan Foote, is he going to be given a chance this year to showcase what he could do? Riley Walsh, is he going to be given a chance to showcase what he can uh, potentially do? We're already struggling. Walsh is someone I actually have for a potential trade target for another team like St. Louis. Especially they're going to need a right-handed shot. So he's up there uh, with my movable intangible assets. So... That being said, um, I try not to be married to every single player um, that is a prospect. I got to think about who does New Jersey need to uh, look into moving. Like, I really like Peter Hauser and the way he's playing for Czechia. And he had a really good pass the other game 
that became a really good assist. And you need that size and physicality and that type of uh, brain to actually play top six, bottom six minutes in the NHL. So there are certain players that you want to have caution about moving, but you've got to be able to move the older guys who've been there for a little too long that need to have playing time in the NHL with another team that needs help. Right. So that's my thing. It's like, I don't think I, when it comes to prospects, we have a lot of, we, it's like, you know, uh, being in a, in a, in a candy store, there's a lot of good selections. And I feel the same way about our first round draft pick. Maybe it's best if we just traded away because we don't really need it at this point. We already got a lot of good prospects in our pipeline. Now I got to ask you this while we're on the top topic of prospects, because somebody said like New Jersey Devils fans are just going to have to accept that Luke Hughes isn't that good. And it, the worst part is that this person uh, hit their, uh, turned their comment section off. So that way people couldn't really reply. And this person also like, uh, like censored Luke Hughes's name. So that way it wouldn't like pop up or something like that. It was um, with all due respect, it was a very bad take because Luke Hughes was named captain for team USA and he performed really well. So you're my prospects guy. Is Luke Hughes really good? He's good. Really fucking good. <laughs> yes, exactly. I try Luke to I try to bleep myself, mute myself on that. But I appreciate let me throw this you. out there. Let me throw this out there. If you could read my lips, he is that great. He's the type of guy who's gonna be a really excellent transition puck carrier with his full comparables i have to agree he is very similar to uh scott niedermeyer with the puck movement and his skating game yes he does play a little bit like jack offensively but he is someone who can rip the puck more often from a slapper than his brother jack at any moment on offensive routes as a d-man and he's so graceful in his stride and his brain is a highly processed game that anyone who's going to play his defensive defensive side, whether it be a Namech or let's say you have Nikita Hotuk, good luck. Because when you have Hughes making a bigger pinch on defense, now, wait until Luke Hughes turns around as an older player. He's going to stop you dead in, his, dead in his tracks. Now, the thing, I, the thing I, I say about Luke Hughes is that, and this is the issue I had when uh, we first drafted him, he could be a little jumpy on the defensive side of things. Like, he can put himself out of position. But he's great offensively. And this is what uh, the name of the game is in the NHL, which is defenseman who can score. And Luke Hughes can definitely score. Has a lot of great offense. And... Like I said, he was named team captain for Team USA. And are people forgetting about his phenomenal freshman year at the University of Michigan? Like it's, this guy, this guy went on an insane tear in Ann Arbor. So it's just like Luke Hughes is good. And and if we're really basing everything off of like that, uh, what, that World Juniors tournament? Like, mm -hmm. are, is, is this what, like, even if Luke Hughes didn't have a good showing, I can guarantee you I would not be concerned because it's just like, what, what did he do for the Michigan Wolverines, the, the accolades he amounted to, or the fact that they went to the Frozen Four? 
Um, It's just like Luke Hughes has done a lot of great things. So it's just like, why are we exonerating that? Or why are we basing off of maybe one or two games when, and he was named team captain for team USA. That's already an achievement of itself. There's still more in store with Jersey Joe, but before we continue, I want you guys to make some extra cash while listening to this episode, so head over to betonline.net. Betonline.net is your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest, easy way to get all your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action, BetOnline, where the game starts. Please remember to gamble responsibly and visit our friends at Locked On Bets for all your betting needs there as well. Time to get back to our discussion with Jersey Joe. Take it away. I can't believe we're having this discussion as to whether or not Luke Hughes is good or not. His showing during the World Juniors Tournament should be good enough. But anyway, uh, let, let's get back to the discussion nonetheless. Same with uh, Shimon the Mets. He was also named captain. Not of Team USA, obviously, but he was named team captain of Slovakia. So the fact that the, the fact that Luke Hughes led the Michigan Wolverines to uh, the Frozen Four and the fact that he had a great uh, showing at the University of Michigan, the fact that, you know, he, he, he whether it's the World Juniors or playing with like the Team USA developmental team, um, Luke Hughes has done great. So I don't know why people are saying like, or this person is saying that Luke Hughes is not that good. Like, I think that's a take. Oh. And a, that's a take oh. and a half. That that's just rear-ending it. I will throw this in there. The Hughes family themselves, those sons, are all born to be leaders and scorers, uh, whether they be defensemen or forwards. Given the fact that they have this really God-given talent, they just are so good. Just even at their worst, they're still at their best. And I will throw this in there. Like Luke is the type of guy who can take over a game just doing it himself on the offense. And if he grows his game defensively, just poke checking, just stripping it, getting the takeaway game, he'll be one of the hardest to beat two-way players in the NHL as he evolves from a one-dimensional guy to a two-way guy. And Teams are going to be like, how are we even going to get around this guy? Let alone uh, one other guy on the New Jersey defense. Now, it's hard to get on the USNTDP. It's a lot harder to even get on the U.S. national team uh, at the World Juniors. So think about all those guys that get cut. Sometimes it's their birth year and their month that they're born in. But Luke may be a late birthday when i say that i mean if you remember the book outliers luke is one of those guys who's born in september and he's like the last three months of the 2003 birth year so imagine how he physically is maybe like i want to say nine months behind some guys or maybe six or whatever it may be, than some of the other guys born in January through June. My point being is he's developed rather well for a guy in the last three months of his birth year. So he's going to be a phenomenal player given the time he's at Michigan. 
Yeah, and like I said, Luke Hughes had a phenomenal run during the uh, World Juniors. And yes, he may have had a few slip-ups here and there, but who doesn't? He's only 19. Like, it's bound to happen. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, you know, he, he's still trying to learn more about his game. And I'd rather have a player who's too jumpy versus a player who's too lazy. So it's just like yeah. similar to what I talk about for his brother, Jack. Jack has a lot of energy out there. He has a lot of razzle-dazzle. I literally just saw Jack Hughes take Slavin's ankles during that game against the Carolina Hurricanes. Like Slavin literally went flying into the net and uh, ran into his own goalie of Ranta. So yeah, look, I literally saw Jack Hughes has a lot of razzle-dazzle. It's one of the reasons why I call him the truth because he's everything that the Devils have asked for and more. So similar to Luke Hughes, it's just like Luke Hughes has a lot of energy. He's a little jumpy on the defensive side of things, puts him out of position. But how do you contain that energy? And quite honestly, I, I'll make the argument, like I think Luke Hughes is more like – NHL ready at this point than Jack Hughes was when we first got Jack Hughes. I will throw this in there. I think he's more ready than Quinn in his second year at Michigan. To me, he's the best of the defensemen. And to me, he's probably going to be the best defensive prospect, not named Owen Power. And I really like Owen Power, but he's a lot younger than Oh, and by multiple months. So you have someone who's going to have a little bit more learning to do, but he's going to have a lot of exposure and experience being at a program like the Michigan Wolverines. And he could easily be a running back in the NFL if he was on, if he was not on skates. So he just, he just so gifted, but I want to move on to like the match though, as well. And some other guys. So I know you were big on Shimon Nemetz and obviously he was named team captain of Slovakia and he's actually been performing really well. So what can you tell some people about Shimon Nemetz? Because when we first got him, a lot of people weren't really talking about him, but you were probably one of the few people who were big on drafting Nemetz. So last year around this time, I was looking at my hockey prospecting page and I was looking at, star probabilities, uh, top skaters. And I was like, hmm, let me see this Nemetch kid. Let me see what he's got. I like his analytics, but let me see his skating. Let me see his shooting. Let me see his overall game. The way he, he skates is super smooth. He does do a lot of, like, really good outlet passes, really good, like, long-distance passes. He gets to see those few extra seconds quicker than some other uh, defensemen in his draft class uh, are able to do. And that's one of the reasons why Slovakia has been so dangerous. And he knows when to jump in at the right time. And you saw it versus, I think, Germany or the other team. He scored a beautiful, like, delayed uh wrist shot from like midway out from the goal is just like I think it was Austria and the goalie was moving to the left and he shot it from his right to that left post on his angle so really he knows how to nip the corner and manipulate guys offensively so he's learning to shoot the game I mean shoot better with his game now so he's becoming more of a risk a risk taker in that sense. But he's usually more like a Paul Martin guy offensively. 
but his skating is very fluid. And you give him time with um, Luke, he's going to be making teams feel like they are going to have to play extra hard when they go to overtime or the dying minutes of the third period just to beat the Devils and get a point. So I think, so let me ask you this. Do you think Shimon Demetz and Luke Hughes will be at the NHL level come next season? And yes. who do you think they'll, who, who do you think will be replaced or who do you think will be gone from the devil's uh, roster? Because they kind of have an opening. Cause it's like, it's Kevin ball, Brendan Smith, you know, it's just like, eh, not really feeling it. I really don't feel Brendan Smith, to be honest. I do like that. He's filling in for the time being. I like, I'd rather look, look, He's a leader in the locker room, and and I haven't spoken to Brendan Smith personally, but I but uh, Christy has, and she says that um, that Brendan Smith is just like very beloved in the locker room for the New Jersey Devils, and um, he does stick up for his teammates, particularly Nico Heischer. But that can only take you so far, if that makes sense. Yeah, like it's one thing to be really beloved, but to me, it's all about performance, and Brendan Smith has done his fair share of dumb penalties and stuff. Uh, Graves hasn't done as much as him. I can see Damon Severson gone because, like you said many times before, he's on borrowed time. And it's only a given matter of time when that asset has to be moved rather than lost. I'd rather Devils now, after the World Juniors, bring in the match and say, here you go, jump on the second, third pairing, have fun. Go out there, do what you do, just, you know, reduce your mistakes. Um, my one problem is Lindy Ruff uh, snipping down lines and minutes with younger guys. That's where I like Burnett at. Yeah, so... I, I think Damon Severson is going to be gone. I don't, whether he's traded away or the devils just don't because he'll become a restricted free agent after this season. Right. Yes. Uh, you have that big contract coming off and Elliot Freeman mentioned that the devils and Severson over the summer could not agree on term. And the reason for term is we drafted in a match and, and we have all these other guys like Luke Hughes jumping in to being part of our near-term core. So with that being said, you got guys like Ball and Hodgick who are going to learn from their mistakes. They're going to grow. But you can only go so far with another veteran like Severson, who's lasted so many uh, coaching changes and GMs. So. Yeah, because uh, uh, Damon Severson is the longest tenured devil on the roster. So of all the players, he's been on the roster the longest. Longer than Miles Wood. Correct. And Mackenzie Blackwood. Correct. So you're going to eventually move on from three players down the road and be like, Miles Wood, Miles Wood, we need, we need, we need him back. Yeah. Kind of Miles Wood could stay. My, I like Miles Wood the most out of the three. And he's been a heart and soul guy. We need that grit. We need that speed. And we need that perseverance. And I know I've wrote, uh, written a lot of articles about speed, grit, 
and sandpaper the, and perseverance, those are guys that are part of that, um, that devil's chemistry. Right. So when it comes to defensemen, Damon Severson, I think will be gone. Like I said, I think the devils will move on from Brendan Smith at some point because it's like, he's not good. I think quite, I think I projected that he might get waived like a few weeks ago because, or that's why I wanted the devils to do to wave him. But I don't think that's going to happen. But I think either way, Brendan Smith doesn't, isn't a long-term solution anyway. And I was always confused with the signing, but um, yeah, that opens up a couple roster positions. I still want Ryan Graves on this roster. I think Ryan Graves uh, can definitely have a lot of good impact for the Devils on the blue line. Um, but yeah, but I absolutely you, love Graves. Do you think Luke Hughes or Shimon the Mets? Do you think they can put themselves into the running for the Calder Memorial Trophy? Oh yeah, I mean, look, you got two young studs, a year apart from each other that play similar if not slightly different games if those two go up having big offensive years and defensive seasons um, I see Luke Hughes being the favorite to be the Calder but don't be surprised if Simona match comes up clutch and comes up big and becomes that hipster pick for the Calder now I know that, you know, you have the, the PHWA who are, they vote on these things, but they may have some other guy in a bigger market favored over those two, unless they find that they help New Jersey go very deep next season and in the playoffs. So I'm not trying to go over my head, but that's just like what, you know, the big media people do. And you kind of hear these, big media people on other podcasts and articles write stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, with that being said, um, I'm always feeling like we get the shorter end of the hockey stick. <laughs> That's funny, but we'll see, we'll see how it develops. But I just, the main point is Luke Hughes is good. Everyone. He's really good. Like really good. Shimon the Mets, same thing. So the devils definitely struggled with those two players because Luke Hughes, are people also forgetting that Luke Hughes was projected to go number one, but he suffered a foot yeah. injury and he had to drop a few positions yeah. and Devils got lucky? The Devils not – did they get lucky? They got blessed. They got blessed with that injury. <laughs> yeah, so for once, an injury actually worked out for the Devils. Now, to close things out, let's talk about the future of Lindy Ruff because a lot of people have been saying, like, because we're starting to hear those – talks again saying oh lindy ruff should be fired lindy ruff is uh he's done after seriously after a few weeks people were saying like sorry lindy and i'm just like guys the devils are still in a playoff position but it's a little weird because it's just like do the de like i just don't see lindy ruff extending with the devils because i think this is genuinely his final stop well like i said before on uh, other uh, episodes with you is that there's going to be a time where there is going to be transition and you're going to see a guy like Ruff become more like an advisor or a skills coach or maybe a, an amateur scout or a pro scout with the devils. I can see something of that, of that ilk, but at this time you need to have 
Andrew Burnett take on more responsibilities, running things more like a head coach because he's the coach waiting in the wings, as Elliot Freeman mentioned in the first couple of weeks of the NHL season on his 32 thoughts podcast. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And I have a lot of respect for Ruff. It's just that the sands of time for you as a coach are only here for X amount of time. And the other guy waiting in the wings needs to jump in at some point and take over at the helm of the ship and not have any mutiny uh, on that ship. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, like I said, I think Andrew Burnett was originally signed on just as like uh, a quick replacement. If, if things go South quickly, because we saw what Andrew Burnett was able to do with the Florida Panthers when Joel Quinville had to resign due to uh, some scrutiny that happened in, um, in Chicago. So it's just like, but things haven't really gone South for the devils. Like things have been a struggle at times, but nothing is like basically like wave the red flag. We need a coaching change. And people don't realize that a coaching change isn't going to miraculously change the devils. It's not going to happen, especially honestly, I say it would make them worse because it's just like, like if you make that drastic of a change, when you're already in a decent position, you run the risk of jeopardizing the rest of your season. I think firing Lindy Ruff is, was never the answer. So, yeah. Well, let me throw this in there. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you have a publicly traded company and you have a, a sudden CEO change without any, you know, let's say notice to any investor and all the investors go, Holy crow, this is happening. There's such a shakeup that I'm going to sell all my shares in this company. And then the team starts to tank and all that other stuff. Meanwhile, I rather there, like I said, a, an ease of transition of power and that should be done in the off season when the Devils are either in the playoffs or something else happens, you know, things steadily grow and change. And I just don't see it right now because like I said, it's an 82 game season. Ruff is doing a really good job working with the coaches with McGill and Rogalski and Burnett. And they seem to communicate very well with the players than uh, Recky and Nazardine did. So I'd rather take that as a benchmark and say, I grade these assistant coaches um, with an A because I didn't expect them to be this good, but they're very, very good. Yeah, I think... I think we're just going to have to wait and see what happens during the course of the offseason. I don't know where Lindy Ruff's head is at in terms of maybe getting extended or maybe retiring and or doing what you said, which is like digress into more of uh, just into a different role with the organization. I think Tom Fitzgerald has, wants Lindy Ruff to stick around because it seems like he and he and uh, Lindy have a good relationship. So we'll definitely see um, what happens in that regard. So Jersey Joe, before we close out, any final thoughts? My final thoughts are this right around Valentine's day. I see some movement happening that helps the devils get a bit more of not just a foothold, a couple skates hold that get us propelled forward and not backward. And this team is in much better position than they were in the off season uh, over a year ago. And it's going to be a lot harder for them to lose their spot in the top eight in the East. And I could care less as long as the devils get into the dance 
this is gravy versus last year. I agree with you wholeheartedly. So Jersey Joe, thanks for hopping on. The pleasure is always mine. Go Devils, and we'll see what happens. All right, let's go Devils. Go look at us on Pucks and Pitchforks for Trey Matthews and Jersey Joe. That is correct. He's my colleague now. Exactly.